for Geek Gamer Weekly. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. The Uber Podcast, just for geeks and gamers. We have news for the beautiful people. There's a lot more of us in our view. With your hosts, Joseph Falby. Men wanted to be like him. Women wanted to be with him. John Kessler. He will be talked about in the same way that Rockefeller and Carnegie and, and Ford are talked about. And Chase Nunes. For your information, butthead, he's headed for the video championships in Los Angeles. Now, live from Earth. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened then? When? Just now. It's Geek Gamer Weekly. This is Geek Gamer Weekly, episode number 207, recorded on Sunday, July 15th, 2012, A Touch of Canada. Geek Gamer Weekly is brought to you by Minecraft Me. Learn everything there is to know about the awesome game from Mojang called Minecraft. For more information, visit geekgamer.tv slash minecraftme. Hey everybody, welcome again to another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. This is the Uber podcast for geeks and gamers. I, I didn't say it right last week. I, I said it completely different and uh, I got called out on it. So the official, the official tagline is the podcast for geeks and gamers, which soon should be the internet broadcast for geeks and gamers. That's enough of saying geeks and gamers. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's episode number 207, and this is a very special one because not only we have a very special guest, but we are simulcasting right now on GFQ Network. So anybody watching us right now at gfqlive.tv, welcome to the show. If you want to chat with us during our live show, head over to our website at live.geekgamer.tv, and there's a link there for a chat pop-up. Hit that, and you can chat with this gentleman right over here. He holds down the chat room, and uh, he's got incredible picks. <laughs> Lies. And here you guys he, hate my picks. It was just a news story. Yeah. <laughs> and here he is, Mr. John Kessler. Hey, John, how's it going? Great. Good, good. And how was that chicken earlier this evening? Just ducky. That's awesome. <laughs> Chicken is ducky. That makes yeah. perfect sense. So cool, man. Cool, and you're rocking the new Sony headphones that we were talking. Yes. You were talking about last week uh, that you got, and they sound great. And man, your whole setup over here is just like becoming more formal for you. Yeah. Are you becoming more at home? Somewhat. All right. Next, I got to get a, like a recliner chair. So I can just lounge back. Yes. yes, I got off the mic a little bit. Yes, yeah, so. that's what happens. Yep. Yep. Also joining us this week, live on location at PDX Land number 20 in Portland, Oregon, drinking... Uh, that's not a, a sponsor uh, drop if I didn't see uh, one. Sorry. There he is. <laughs> that was good. That's uh, excellent. This is the uh, the new orange uh, rehab flavor. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I'm here at wonderful PDX Land 20, um, having a great time, uh, waiting for my Minecraft tournament to start in... Uh, Four, about four hours. Yeah, about four. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, just kind of hanging out. You know, you can see this is actually the staff stage behind me. Uh, you'll see people wandering around. The camera will shake because it's, uh, you know, not totally stable. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, good times. I, I, I think, Joe, this is, this is the first time ever, actually, that we've done a show with you not at home. I, I or at your place. Or at my place. This is the first time mm. you've been remote, I think. Uh, I think maybe i'm not sure uh, probably 
No, I think no, no, no. I've I've, uh, I've uh, done one from Hawaii. Yes. Oh, that's right, but not HD though. No, no it was not HD. It was not HD because we didn't have anywhere near the bandwidth there that we have here. That's right. Um, even even with my video working fairly well, um, we're actually downloading over the connection here at the land right now forty four megabytes per second. That's it. Yeah, just forty four megabytes. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all. Yeah. Oh, it dropped. It's down to thirty eight megabytes per second right at this exact moment. And during but. the course of the show, Joe will be getting us updates on bandwidth consumption. So we look forward to those yeah. updates. Yeah, later we'll on. see. We'll see if it'll spike up and cause me to disconnect. That's right. Be awesome. <laughs> also joining us this week, our very special guest, uh, one of our friends to the north of us. Uh, he puts on some great content on not only gaming stuff on consoles and, and handhelds, but he's really big into uh, like iOS gaming. He he does a podcast, I believe, called "It's Is, is It Touch of Gaming." Is is that it, Lloyd? Yeah, Touch of Gaming is my iOS show that I do. I, I love the the iPad. I love the the iPhone. So uh, we do a show about it on uh, all sorts of games and other fun things to do with uh, iOS. Sweet. Mr. Yes. Lloyd Hannison, he, uh, you can find him at vgpodcast.com, or you can follow him on Twitter, uh, Dasmi. What, what is Dasmi, by the way? I forgot to ask you about that. Dasmi that, is a, uh, a username that I've used since back in the BBS days, so way before the internet, and there's a huge story behind it. Someone stole my name, and I just started signing things me, and then it just evolved into Dasmi, and that's what I've been using on the internet since like '94 when I started working at an ISP way back, uh, way back in the day. Oh, very cool, man! Very cool. I, I know that I, I'm a little jealous of your of your background there. You got a Mac Plus back there. I know Joe is a little jealous that he doesn't have a Mac Plus behind him right now, but he'll get a Lisa put up back at home here. I know it. Probably by the next show, we'll see. Like, hey, what's that back there, Joe? Well, uh, well, I do have to move my desk at home because we're redoing the floors oh, in the room right. where it is. So, yeah. so when I move my desk around, I'll, I'll probably try to. Oh, and and you see the portal gun moving around behind me right now. Um, <laughs> we're actually giving that away. That's one of the uh, the exclusive uh, um, original style portal guns, the one you can't buy anymore. We're we're giving one away in our charity raffle. But um, no, yeah, we're moving moving furniture around and stuff like that. And uh, so I'll probably uh, redo where my desk is located and what's behind it and stuff like that. And then I might put my Lisa. And maybe my virtual boy and a few other miscellaneous odds and ends that I have uh, stashed away at home. Oh, too cool. in the virtual boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the virtual boy. It's actually kind of fun for about 20 minutes and then it hurts your head. <laughs> so. You start bleeding out the ears, which is not a good oh, thing. Oh, I've never, never had a problem with it bleeding out the ears. It's been the eyes that uh, I think I've been close to bleeding out on. But, um, uh, but no, it's a, it's, it's a cool little device. Like I said, I wouldn't want to use it for more than about 20 minutes, though. <laughs> Well, well, folks, we got a great action-packed, actually, maybe not action-packed show. But we, what we do is we, we scour the web and we find some of the top geek and gaming stories and some maybe obscure ones that maybe you didn't hear about. Now, here's one that you probably did hear about if you're, you're somewhat of a geek out there. Now, last week, Apple announced that they were leaving EPAT. Uh, EPEAT, I'm sorry. <laughs> EPEAT is an environmental ratings registry. Uh, that basically says, you know, they 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 promise to to do good for the for the environment and when in regards to their manufacturing processes. I really didn't look too much into it. It's really dry. It, it yeah, uh, it basically just means that their devices meet uh, sort of a minimum yeah. standard of recyclability and uh, pre you know pre recycled parts and a bunch of stuff like that. That is this whole environmental green thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> Remember, folks, Joe is at a land party, and if anybody knows about land parties, they're crazy. Yeah, they can be. So Apple left. They they left, and they didn't really give an explanation on why they left. They left. And then after some loyal Apple customers and companies, and even the city of San Francisco said, uh, yeah, we're not going to buy Apple products anymore, Apple came out and said, oh, wait a minute, uh, uh, mistake, mistake, uh, we didn't mean to leave. We didn't shun you guys. No, no, we didn't leave. We're back. Continue buying from us, please. Well, and they didn't really leave. It's what they delisted their products. So they, they said that their products, they didn't specifically say their products didn't conform to EPAT standards. They just weren't going to bother listing them there anymore. Do you guys really, now, I don't really buy that this was a mistake. I think they wanted to leave, and then it got so much uproar that, oh, no, now we're back on the list. I think they were just trying to get back on the list, and then I, I, I assume that within the next year, they're probably going to go ahead and come off the list again. But I don't know. I think it might have been a mistake to pull all their products off the list. I think they meant to pull the new MacBook Air or the MacBook Pro because of some some of the manufacturing things we've talked about in the past where like the batteries glued into the case and stuff like that so it's harder to recycle but when they did it it pulled all their products off and right. uh, that may have been a mistake but um, they did say they're putting their stuff back on the list I also have no idea if it costs money to be listed on with epad or not now, or repeat sorry I uh, say the bottom of the quotes there said starting today all eligible uh, Apple products yes. are back on the e- on EP so yeah there's gonna be some things that Apple has it is not. Lloyd? Yeah, and they, they probably always have had a few products that haven't been eligible for, for EP. Now, I was going to say, Lloyd, do you, now obviously you're, you're an Apple uh, fan. You got yep. some Apple products. You do an Apple show of, of gaming. Did, yes. To you, as a consumer and maybe as a professional internet broadcaster, does this make a difference to you at all? For me, no. Um, for one, I'm, I'm Canadian, so this has very little um, to do with us up here in Canada. Sure. Um, but for me, it, it just seems it, it was stupid in the first place for Apple to say that they're delisting the products. They should have just not submitted their new products. As you were saying, the, 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 the new Retina display uh, model doesn't qualify. Uh, um, but they still qualify for some of the other like um, IEEE rating standards, uh, recycling things. Um, I, it was just, to me, it was stupid for them to come out and say, yeah, we're not supporting this environmental standard anymore. Especially from Apple, who's been so environmentally friendly. They've been listing that they don't use this and don't use that. And it's 100% aluminum and glass and yada, yada, yada. They've been doing that for a while now. It just seemed very un-Apple-like to say, yeah, we, we hate the environment. And come out and just pull their stuff right off it. It was a really bizarre move in uh, in, in my eyes. Do you guys think it's some of the problem though, because of the fact that the uh, I mean, you look how the iPad three, the new iPad is manufactured. You look at the new MacBook Pros and how they're manufactured, and they're using so much glue uh, that it makes it virtually impossible to remove parts altogether to make things easier to recycle. I mean, do you think that part of it? Uh, you know, kind of prompted them to originally pull back from that. Joe, what do you think? I I don't know. It's um, you know, it, this is something that that in the in the the private or the commercial industry sector is not really interested in because it's not relevant for them. But um, you know, I I don't know. I can't imagine that that it's that bad. You think about the way the standard recycle method of recycling a lot of electronics is to put it into a grinder and then separate it 
uh, either um, via magnetic and and other methods afterwards. Yeah. It seems like a little bit of extra glue attached to the battery is not that big a deal. Um, but I don't know. I, maybe they do need to pull the battery out first, and if they're doing that, then, yeah, the glue could be an issue, especially if you end up rupturing a battery pack, which on a lithium ion could be really bad. Yeah, so, that's true. I don't know. But, but then again, you know, we, we all drool over their products, and as, as long as consumers continue purchasing them, I mean, I mean granted... I don't think most people think about, oh, is this green? Is this environmental before buying it? If it's cool looking, it performs how they want to perform, and it's in a decent price range, they're going to buy it anyway. So we'll see if this has any repercussions. Probably not because they said, oh, this, this, that was a mistake. So we'll see what happens to Apple in the future. No doubt this could be the demise of the company. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. They are beleaguered once again, right? Of course. I mean, their shares could drop dramatically over this one issue. Sure. Now, let's go from that to a big fight happening right now out there in the television world, and that is between DirecTV and Viacom. Now, as of this recording, I don't believe there has been any late-breaking updates that I can tell, uh, so I don't want to uh, talk about old news, but as of right now... DirecTV and Viacom, uh, they are not getting along. As a matter of fact, you cannot watch Viacom stations on DirecTV. Now, Viacom has some popular channels such as MTV, Nickelodeon, AMC, Comedy Central, and a few others. Actually, 26 to be exact. Now, DirecTV's CEO is saying part of the problem here is Viacom is forcing DirecTV to package all of these channels together. And DirecTV's CEO is saying that uh, Viacom should give you, the consumer, the choice to pay for those channels that you watch. Uh, they, so what basically this is saying here is DirecTV is interested in offering channels in a la carte. But Viacom does not want that to happen. Now, we don't know if this is 100% true, uh, but right now... Part of the big problem here is Viacom is wanting more money per subscriber to the tune, I believe, of a billion dollars over the next five years. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, now, Joe, you have pay television service still, I believe. For now. For now. And you ha- you do not have direct TV, but uh, you, no. th- you through uh, Frontier Fios. Yes. Uh, but when you hear about these kind of uh, arguments happening between the huge content creators and then the d- distribution services like DirecTV, you as a consumer, how do you feel about something like this? Well, well, first of all, I think it's important to note that um, AMC is not part of Viacom. Okay. AMC is separate. AMC oh, that's has the an Dish ongoing, that's the ongoing Dish, yeah. dis- uh, dispute with, with Dish, yeah. Um, but... Uh, no, I, I, if if what Directv is saying is true, and they would like to offer their cable, their their subscribers, um, a la carte cho- choices on cables, that would probably make me stay or move to Directv or stay on a cable service. As it is right now, the only reason I'm on cable is till the end of the Olympics, and then I'm probably going to ditch it because I don't really need it. Um, but uh, no, if if Directv was serious about this, and they actually offered the ability to go to during your order, hey, there's Cameron, or no, there's there's uh. Yeti. Uh, anyway, if they um, if they gave you the option of uh, of selecting your um, your cable channel, uh, the channels just the channels you wanted. All you get, all you wanted was 
you know what you what you chose. I probably would move back to to pay service. I would probably pick it pick it up again after I drop it. But um, I don't think that they really care. Uh, I think they know they can make a lot more money by offering bundles and and by doing things the way they've always done things because that's how the industry works. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. And besides that, even if it did, Viacom's a, sm- a relatively small player. What about somebody like Fox or um, NBC or you know? I mean, uh, they ha- some of those channels have a lot more. Some of those networks have a lot more content, uh, a lot more different channels than Viacom does. I just want to know where exactly does it end because I, if Viacom ends up getting the money that they want out of this whole deal, the DirecTV is basically going to go ahead and pass those costs on to their customers at some point. Yeah, and, and Viacom has not been playing very nice in this. They actually pulled all of their full episodes of a off lot of the, the Comedy Central off the web. Yeah, because of this this whole dispute. Uh, they didn't want DirecTV customers going and watching The Daily Show on the web and because they couldn't get it through their uh, their service provider. So... It's. It, I think both sides are probably playing pretty dirty, and uh, uh, it's. It's about what we could, should expect from, you know, the likes of media companies. At least, and I think so anyway. L- Once again, the legitimate customers are the ones that are harmed in this sort of thing. Now, Lloyd, how does uh, Canada do it? I, I know that I, I do have some Canadian friends that are through some of the dish systems That's up right. there, like I believe, like Shaw, and I think there's another one. Uh, that you can do some little a la carting. I'm not sure, but what's going on up there? Do you guys still have access to these channels? Yeah, I mean, there's some a la carting. There's like Bell Express View and a few others. There's um, like actual landline cable services as well. And you do get to do a little bit of a la carting. Um, like uh, you can buy individual channels for three bucks a pop, but mainly what you're getting is you, you buy a base package that has say 30 channels and then you add like what they call theme packs on top of it for most of the providers. Um, so you can still add, um, the channels you want, but you get a, you get a bunch of other garbage that you don't need. Um, if it wasn't for sports, if I could get sports streaming, I probably wouldn't subscribe to television at all. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people that are similar, um, up here. Yeah. I mean, I used to be a direct TV customer and once, uh, major league baseball really had an incredible, package and offering for online basically you pay one price and you have access on the boxy box or the roku online ipad uh android it doesn't matter you access it from anywhere uh for like it was like a hundred bucks and it's high def quality it looks great um i didn't need direct tv anymore for baseball so i dropped them and i put an antenna up on my house and i get my local channels that way um a lot of people i mean this kind of a, a situation just drives people away from pay tv joe and they and they end up going to the internet to get it either through legal or illegal means and then they also uh are able to just put an antenna up and get content that way right? oh yeah def- definitely i mean uh you know i i think we should um you know i talk about keeping service until the olympics are over you have to remember in in the uk bbc's broadcasting olympics so they have public broadcast of that everywhere um, it's accessible online without a fee. It's accessible uh, over the air. It's accessible through the terrestrial networks, all that kind of stuff. But it's government run, uh, which is a big, evil, bad thing. So obviously it's not ever going to work and be successful. Um, we are talking about BBC, right? Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, so um, it's, it's just kind of weird. Uh, you know, over here, like, NBC owns all the rights to the Olympics. That's the only thing I really want to keep TV service for. If I could, if I could pay, like you said, you know, you're paying a hundred bucks for for MLB. If I could pay fifty bucks or something like that, or a hundred bucks 
to the Olympic Committee in the U.S. and get access to that through online content only, I'd be fine with that. Because honestly, the sports I want to watch are not the sports they're going to broadcast. I don't care about gymnastics. I don't care about in, uh, this, the, just some of the ridiculous things that they have on, on, the, on the Olympics just in general. Um, I want to watch a couple, couple real you know, sports that those are the only things I want to watch. I don't want to watch the rest. And uh, the only way for me to get it is to be a cable subscriber and then sign up on the NBC Olympics website, which yes. so seems preposterous. So what, what NBC is doing, folks, is you have to be a paid subscriber to a, either cable or satellite service that at least gets, I believe, MSNBC and CNBC as part of your service. And if you get those channels as a part of your service, then you get access to 3,500 hours of online content through NBC. Every, every single Olympic sport. Everything. And the opening and closing ceremony. Online. Everything that's being filmed, which, uh, yeah, all online. Everything which is being filmed, which is everything, because, again, the BBC is handling it in London itself. And they're putting cameras everywhere. And they're even doing the opening and closing ceremonies and a, lot, a large part of it in, uh, in 4K res. Yeah. So... If you're in London, it's free. If you're over here, you got to be a subscriber. I know up in Canada, CBC lost the Olympics. They, mm-hmm. they don't have that contract anymore. I used to love watching CBC. I mean, CBC actually is on the local cable system here uh, in, in the Seattle metro area, which is kind of cool. They actually have it in high def, which is great. And I would be like, oh, that's great. I can watch the Olympics on that because they don't like to censor, uh, uh, not uh, censor, uh, not censor. Uh, like they, they make it, you know, like NBC makes it really dramatic and they have these great stories. And, you know, I, they don't just do plain coverage. And I always like CBC for their coverage. And not this year, though. This year, I think it's what CTV, right, Lloyd? So, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really interesting. Like you guys in the States have it nice. You can put up an antenna and you can get a pile of channels, including yeah. each content um here we get what we call farmer vision here in town where we we get like two local stations and and if you're hanging outside with a coat hanger and it's raining and the wind's blowing the proper way you can maybe get another one um so we really have no choice if we want to get cable we have to pay for it um but i think what this is is this is really the start of what the future is going to be i mean in 10 years i'd be surprised if you couldn't get every single station you want a la carte maybe you have your own apple tv or you have a boxy box or you have some sort of google box and you pay for i want amc i want hbo i want uh, espn one two and three and you pay money to each of those companies i mean that's the way it's going like the internet yeah. is giving us that ability um but i think there's going to be a lot of these little kind of um that push back and forth um, matches between um, providers and uh, and actual like stations that are that are yeah, that are ISPs going to want their cut into that. Well, I mean, yeah. you, they, they, it's interesting. I mean, you look at ISPs, right? And they have caps on their on their services, bandwidth caps, and a lot of these ISPs are also television content providers. Well, and a few of them are even content creators now. Yeah, and they, and they don't want you using your internet to watch television or video. That's why they From put this. Competitor. <laughs> that's why they put this artificial cap on, so it it forces you to watch their stuff because they don't want you getting it on the internet. Comcast is like, yeah, if you watch our stuff, oh yeah, that doesn't count against your cap. Well, that that's yeah. a whole other controversy yeah. altogether. <laughs> yeah. Do you have caps up there, Lloyd? 
Uh, we had, um, especially here in town, we had some really bad caps put into place. Um, I think my, I have a t- uh, 100 megabit internet with 5 wow. megabit up, so it's pretty decent. And uh, they wanted to put a 100 um, gig cap Jesus. per month. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I download like things for a few hours and I've hit that cap and we actually um, there were some petitions and yada 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 and we actually went uh, right up to the Canadian government and said this is garbage this is um, this is stifling uh, creative creativity and innovation and um, Shaw my provider they actually rolled back all these caps so I think um, the unofficial cap that I have is I think 450 gigs a month but even then, if you break it, uh, they, they send you a nicely worded letter saying, don't do it again. They're Canadian after all. That's right. <laughs> so, sorry, guy. I, I know you're, you're downloading stuff, but could you please do it a little bit less? That would be very nice. Um, so they'll do that. And we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, Shaw's pretty evil in some ways, um, as most big corporations can be. And um, they, they keep trying to sneak little things in and they try to do it a little bit under the radar and see what happens. So I, I'm sure in the future there will be caps. Uh, right now, no. So we can download away and it's, it's wonderful. But um, yeah, in the future, that's probably what's going to be, especially if you're getting all your television content and you're getting it in 4K in five years. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're gonna they're gonna start crying foul because they don't want to be a, a water um, a water pipe to your house or an electricity cable to your house. They they want to sell you content as well. Well, the worst thing about it is these companies that want to do and put caps on you, they don't provide a great meter, or they provide a meter that kind of works or not really works, and then they don't want to be uh, you know regulated by the government and have those meters audited. Like any other service that provides like a meter, like say like uh, the water company or the gas company, where they have a, or the, even the electric company where they have a meter on your house where they're metering you know, the consumption, you have to trust that those numbers that they're giving you are accurate. I mean, I was reading a, a story where this person who was very thorough with his meters, he had uh, custom firmware on his router, he had meters on his computer, and he was gone for a trip. He actually shut down his internet connection, and then they said that he used 10 gigs of data over the course of a couple of days while this guy was on vacation. And he was like, oh, I didn't use this. And then they were like, oh, oh yeah, that was a, a, an issue on our system. Sorry about that. And it's just like, if, if, if they want to meter us and make up reasons to meter us, but I, because I do believe that there is congestion at times. Sure, you know, when you have everybody hit Netflix, say, at 7 o'clock in the evening, dinner time. Sure, there's, I mean, Joe, here you are, you're at a LAN party. And there's so much internet, but still there there can be congestion, right? I mean that oh, that happens. Oh yeah, there's there's no question about that. I mean that's why uh, you know especially in a land environment we try to do as much as we can to keep people from downloading big files from uh, places like Steam and and that sort of thing. There's nothing wrong with Steam. It's just that if everybody on on the land, even though we have a gig connection, everybody on the land is downloading from Steam at four, five, six megabytes per second. There's 500 people here. <laughs> It'll go. It it. It will not support that much, but um, but no, I I, uh, I honestly I what I want in an ISP is the pipe. I don't want the extra stuff. I don't. They don't want that though. They don't want to be a dumb pipe, Joe. Yeah, but I think that some of them are starting to figure out that that's a better direction. And and uh, um, you know, we we've talked about uh, Frontier and Verizon, uh, mostly Frontier, dropping their TV service. That's the right direction to go because now. Who cares about that stuff? Yeah. The problem is companies who started out as the TV service, uh, Comcast and stuff like that, started out with TV, and now they're going to, um, to Internet. 
they're having a hard time re- letting go of that TV part. And that's the part that we don't care about, or a lot, a lot of us care about. There's still, obviously, a lot of people who do, but yeah, those of us who are in tech and in computers, we don't care about the TV service as much. We just want the data. Give us more bits, less video. Yeah, and, and speaking of with, I think you're... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's with that. Well, I'm using a camera I haven't used before, so that might be the That could be too. it. Yeah, that's all right. Fair enough. Let's move on. I know we, we beat a dead horse, uh, but it's one of those situations, folks, that, you know, if you... It's something that you should engage in and, and be conscious about, uh, because in the future, even as us internet broadcasters, you know, bandwidth is a very important resource for us. And if they, if these uh, providers start limiting what we can do and in producing content, it's going to limit you in your choice of that content. So, just bear that in mind. Now, one company that's basically on its way out the door, uh, and we you know we make fun of them all the time, and they used to be huge. Everybody had one. I mean, remember, you know, less than four years ago, President Obama, there was a controversy. Would he be able to use his BlackBerry uh, and be the president of the United States at the same time? Well, RIM has just been found liable for $147 million in a patent lawsuit. Uh, A San Francisco jury found on Friday that RIM infringed on a company called M-Formation, patented mobile device management software. And they are requesting royalty payments. In a statement, RIM said uh, that they don't believe information. The patent question is valid, and they are probably going to appeal. I think, uh, Lloyd, you had the greatest joke before the show, and uh, why don't you go ahead? I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, do, do they have $147 yeah. million in the bank? <laughs> and they're firing everybody. They're getting like everybody that's in their board is leaving. Their their upper management is leaving. Everybody's at, like leaving the ship. Yeah. And someone else says, "Oh yeah, you owe us 147 million." I mean, I'm sure Rim could uh, start a gra- have a garage sale, start selling their old their old stock a that won't sell. They can sell 147 million dollars worth of old Blackberries that no one wants. Um, but yeah, I mean this this is this is tough for the company, and you gotta you gotta expect people are sitting. In, in their offices there and their hands are in their 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 faces are in their hands and they're crying and weeping softly to themselves because it's just it can't get much worse for rim they must be getting tired of all the bad press yeah well i mean there's a there's a there's a, a lot of rim jobs out there and and the, and the problem is you know we're gonna be losing them and that's 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 a drawback but they used to be the king joe they it was all about blackberry and, and then they decided that you know they the keyboard and the enterprise server is king but no longer, huh? No. no. I'm not convinced that it ever was. But Oh, okay. Maybe well, for business. I mean, it, was, it was good for business, but that sort of... And, and people figured it out really quickly. Um, you think about how long BlackBerry existed, how long Palm devices and Windows mobile devices existed with their little, their little keyboards and stuff like that, and um, how quickly the iPhone, when it came out with a full screen, with an on-screen keyboard, and everybody said, nobody will ever be able to type on that, and then it took over the market and destroyed basically all the competitors, at least in the short term. Um, yeah, it's pretty obvious that the keyboard is not, the physical keyboard is not where people wanted to be. So I don't think RIM was, was ever that great for anybody except businesses. Yeah. And, uh, and I, for one, don't care. I had a BlackBerry for a while, and um, I was glad to be rid of it. Yeah, mine, mine is at, on its way out the door soon. Uh, our company is switching from BlackBerry to Apple. Uh, we're going to iPhones. Uh, Verizon iPhones. So, uh, you know, we're excited. I'm excited. Um, I know the powerful, you know, uh, 
capabilities of, of having a custom app uh, design. Uh, we're having one made for us internally. It's going to be great. So we're, we're, we're excited. Now, one place, one place that you will not find RIM phones or even iPhones for that matter is the new Samsung retail store that opened up in Vancouver, British Columbia, up in hmm, uh, the home country of Lloyd. Canada. 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 Yes. You guys just had your, uh, your, uh, your birthday not too long ago. A few days before yours. That's right, yes. Now, this store uh, may look very familiar to anybody who uh, walks in, because if you've been into an Apple store, that is, because it looks a lot like an Apple store. Right now, Samsung and Apple, uh, you know, they've been fighting back and forth over patent infringement law to- lawsuits and yada, yada, yada. So they've opened up this store, and I'm going to scroll down here. So here's one picture of the store, and... Here's another picture of looking side in store here. And as you can see, they have it set up in different areas. Like they have an internet lounge and a movie and music areas and photography and a gaming area. Uh, and uh, I'll actually play a little bit of this video here shortly. But uh, I'm going to start with Lloyd. What do you think? Do you think this is the future where we have an Apple store? We already have Sony stores. And now we're going to have a Samsung store. There's Microsoft stores as well. That's right. Is this have a is, bit more color in them? Is this the path? Is this what major companies should be doing? Oh, well, you got to look at what Samsung's been doing lately. They've basically been taking what Apple's done and they change it a little bit and then they release it as their own. And they're doing really good. Their phones are awesome for Android phones, like as far as Android phones go, rather. Not that I'm disparaging Android because I do love Android as well. Um, their phones are some of the best, but they basically take something that works and then they massage it a little bit and then they release it. Like if you look at some of the sites online that are, that are looking at the, the duplications that, um, that rim or sorry, rim, I got rim on the brain <laughs> that, uh, Samsung and Apple have done. I mean, the boxing, the packaging, you open up a box. It looks very similar to what Apple does. You look at the power charger, like all the way down to, um, there was, there was a store. Um, I, I think it was their, their, their real store, like their actual official store. It, actually had um ios icons on the wall like, so, so they're really copying oh yeah it was uh, i think it was an event a booth uh, uh a booth they had set up at an event somewhere but yeah i remember seeing that picture too it's crazy all the way down to like apps on the phone until mm-hmm. they get called out for it resembled very much what what apple did and i i think that's the way to go i mean obviously it, it looks it, it looks like people want Apple devices. They want iPhones. They want iPads. Um, not everybody, but a lot of people do. And if you're going to make something that isn't an iPhone, maybe you want to make something that's very much like an iPhone to sell it to people that maybe are kind of sick of Apple. Um, having a boutique store, uh, I, I guess maybe it works. I mean, it's working for Apple. They have hundreds of stores worldwide. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft opened their stores. Um, they're opening more. Um, I don't know. Maybe this will go well for, for Samsung. But basically copying the, 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 the color scheme, kind of the layout, having little tablets to kind of give you information about all the different phones that are beside it. I, I think they're, they're kind of like they have a pointy stick and they're, they're poking the bear. Um, and, and that seems what, they, what they've been doing lately. And, hey, if it works for them, I mean, more power to them. But uh, it, it just every time I see something like this, I have to shake my head and say, like, do you, do you want more lawsuits? Like, I hate hearing lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> tech I, I, store and there's five million patent lawsuits. And it's like, by the way, this new device came out, but you've already turned off the show because of all the lawsuits we've talked about. Go ahead, I was, I was going to say, it's like one, yeah, you thought you, we were copying it before. Well, how's this? How's this sticking? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> See? How do you like it now? Yeah, this is how you copy somebody. You know, you, you <laughs> only thought we were copying it before, but no, now. 
Now I got to turn you down. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. John got riled up, and uh, so like there goes the sound check. Uh, but I mean, I mean, no wonder why Best Buy's cutting jobs. No wonder why these big retailers are cutting jobs. I mean, why would we need to go to a central location when you have the Samsung store, you have the Sony store, you have all these little boutique stores? I mean, pretty soon you're going to have a big building, and all these there's all going to be these little boutique shops inside, and they're going to call it Best Buy. Oh, well, wait, no, I mean. Well, you know, going go to those, you know, you go to the Best Buy is, you know, they got the people that know something about everything versus going you to... You think s- they know something oh, about they, everything. They think that they know something about everything. How's that? And then they, or you go to your, uh, you know, your, your specialty boutique where they actually, you know, know what they're talking about or they're, right. they're supposed to know their products. Well, Gateway, uh, uh, in the chat room, uh, Maldex says, you know, remember Gateway? They had the big country stores. They had the cow stores. Mm-hmm. Where you can go get yourself a custom gateway computer, um, and that didn't last very long. Well, how many of, how many people do you know that are still running gateway computers? Yeah, that's true too. Very few. Yeah, very few. That's that's true too. That's I mean, they but it, may, it also depends on the feel of the store. But then again, you got a lot of people now that are purchasing their products online. But I guess it, you know when you're when you're buying a tablet or you're buying a phone. Or even a you know a laptop computer, you want to have the ability to go into the store and actually look at it, touch it, feel it. If it feels good for you, you know, and then going ahead and purchasing it, trying before you're buying, essentially in a way. I know uh, you know that's one thing that online just can't replicate. So I can't wait to actually go check this out. I mean, it is in Vancouver; it's just a couple hours north of me at Metro Town. And uh, why they opened up one there? Maybe, maybe because uh, tax break. No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't go with tax breaks. Mm-hmm. You ever seen taxes up in Canada? No. I bet Lloyd could tell us a few things about taxes in Canada. They're not pretty. No, they're not. Yes, now, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they opened it up up there because the climate's so much calmer. Perhaps. Yeah. I was, I was actually just thinking about this. I wonder if they opened it up there because. <laughs> Of all these patent issues they've been having in the U.S. with some of these, I uh, remember a, a couple weeks ago, was that the Galaxy S3 was actually removed from U.S. retail stores because of a patent problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm wondering if maybe they thought they could open it up there and avoid some of these U.S. patent issues because obviously a decision in the U.S. doesn't have anything, you know, the, the Canada stores are going to be like, eh, who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was, I was wondering if that was maybe part of it is they were confident that they would be able to keep their products that are under these these current in these current um, lawsuits on the shelves, you know that sort of thing. But I don't know. It seems silly. I would have opened it in California or maybe even maybe even Seattle area would have been a I, I think would have been a better place to open it than Vancouver. But yeah. or Silicon Valley, right in Apple's backyard. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, central Central California is pretty much where everybody does these tests. Uh, you know, Microsoft opened one of its stores in in that area. Uh, in addition to Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and and stuff like that, Central California seems to be, or or uh, Southern California seems to be, where a lot of places open open their first stores, that sort of thing. But yeah. I don't know. It's going to go to the way of the Sony stores. Nobody's going to go. Nobody's going to care. You know, mm. Six months. Yeah, maybe. that's true. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Now, if you have one of these awesome <laughs> tablets or phones, and you're in a major city like Vancouver, or even maybe New York City. You might want to have internet access. Now, obviously, 3G and 4G in some of these larger cities is just terrible. And so what New York is doing, and actually a, uh, 
a uh, company by the name of Van Wagner Communication, which owns most of the city's payphones. They are installing Wi-Fi hotspots. Well, uh, Chase, maybe we should explain to some of the younger viewers exactly what a payphone is first. <laughs> uh, Joe, by the way, you might want to stop and restart your video. You froze up on us. Um, oh, exciting. Yes. Now, yeah, a payphone. Now, get this, people. A payphone is when you would have change in your pocket. And these are coins. Now, coins are no stranger to, to Lloyd. They use coins for almost everything except for larger denominations. But mm-hmm. except for pennies, pennies are gone. Um, and coins aren't those. Or, or, those, are, those are discs. See, like, here, here's an example, folks. Here, these are coins. coins. Yeah. Okay. I would say not coins like in Mario. Yeah. No, no, these hard. are these are coins. Yeah. Actually, most of these are tokens from uh, from Papa. But oh, Lloyd would Lloyd would love this. Here, here is a, a toonie. You see, nice. okay. So what you would do is you would take a coin, maybe not this large, but you would put it in this machine that had a phone built into it, okay. And, and you would dial a phone number, and it would connect you. You would be on the phone for like two minutes, and wow. it'd be great. Unless no, you're wait, a city wait. that you, sucked and you put five dollars into the damn thing. But. Once, once you put the coin <laughs> into the uh, into the, the, the phone, um, you can walk around with that phone anywhere you want, right? Just like a normal phone that we have nowadays. No, you got a cable connected to the receiver you're talking to, so you got to stand wait, right are, there. It's a it's a wired thing. I think we're beating this way too okay. much, guys. Yes. All right. I'm going to call this one off. <laughs> All right. I'm going to see if I can fix my And sarcasm. All right. So, New York <laughs> is taking these payphones and adding Wi-Fi hotspots onto them. Uh, the effort is part of the city's larger goal of providing more digital inclusion for residents. Now, these are going to be free. Uh, they're coming to uh, three of the boroughs and will be open to the public for access for free. You just have to agree to terms, visit the city's tourism website, and then you're up and running. Uh, there's no current ads on the service, but there could be in the future. Wait, this sounds very familiar to me. Most communities have done this. They've done community Wi-Fi, and then it, it just doesn't work. It no, no one uses it. No one clicks on the ads. Why is this different now, Joe? Why does this matter now? Why is New York doing this? I mean, this this has happened in many communities over the U.S. I think even Portland had a huge Wi-Fi project at some point. I mean, well, other uh, I know um, a lot of places. Yeah, have done have had businesses come in and try to do a community wide uh, uh, or a city wide Wi Fi network, and yeah, they usually don't do terribly well. But the uh, homeless people sure love to use them. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who knows? Maybe they they have some grandiose plan, something that's going to change. Maybe they'll have uh, different tiers. You'll be able to buy into it for a different price or that sort of thing. I don't know. It just seems kind of weird to be spending two grand every single time you install one of these things, which is the install price, according to uh, um, Van Wagner Communications. Yeah, and they own um, the ads on these uh, on these payphone boxes, by the way. That's yeah. And it, it just seems like you know payphones are already not making any money. That's why they have almost disappeared from everywhere. Why would they be putting in something on payphones which are already going to go away? I don't know. Who knows? It just seems like a waste of money and time. But hey, if you go to New York, you get free Wi-Fi. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. It's been, sorry, it's even more ironic in New York, the the city that has a Starbucks on every single corner. <laughs> you can't look no, around you're, you're, that's, without hitting one. That's that's Seattle, isn't it? No, that's New York too. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And, there's, and I thought that that was the free Wi-Fi or the place to get free Wi-Fi. I, I mean, I, we don't even have phone booths here in or phone actual pay phones in, phones, in Winnipeg yeah. anymore. Like they got rid of those a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I, I like the thought of getting free Wi-Fi around, but you'd think maybe there's a better place to put it. But I, who knows? Maybe maybe this is good for for the community. I mean, there's already Wi-Fi everywhere. Let's uh, let's irradiate everybody else with a little bit more uh, spectrum. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And don't worry, though. I mean, you may have full signal, but uh, the connectivity is going to be really slow. It'll be like 56K speeds. Yeah. It'd be really so. bad. Uh, final geek story uh, that we're going to talk about, and that is Dig being sold for a measly $500,000, a half mil. Uh, half to th- mil. Oh, no. It's a half mil. I thought it was more than that. No, I think that's all it was. I think oh, it was, wow. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, okay, yeah. $500,000 to the parent company, I believe, that created Bitly, I believe. Um, that's not the story here. The story is, what the hell happened to Dig? I mean, Dig in its heyday was huge, okay? Uh, there was something called the Dig effect, where if you were actually upvoted on Dig and someone discovered your website, your website would crash because you would get that effect, uh, now, there's been some arguments of what killed Dig and why is it so cheap and why was it sold so cheaply. Uh, some people are saying Reddit killed Dig. Uh, but Forbes had an interesting article saying that Dig actually killed Dig. They killed themselves. Uh, but what happened was when Dig changed and had, they had a huge redesign uh, with version 4.0, it was so bad. The redesign was so terrible that it really forced users away. They said, screw it, we're out of here. We're going to Reddit. We're going to other services. Now, Joe, I know you are not a huge believer in Dig. I mean, hell, I know you're a huge Reddit user. I'm now more of a Reddit user than ever before. Oh, no, I was a, I was oh, you a were. Dig user for a while. Okay. And uh, then I discovered Reddit and um, realized how much better it was, and I've never looked back. Uh, now, what, what version of Dig were you on like when a you joined? A long time ago. Okay, so you saw uh, it change four, through the years, or five too. years ago. So you saw it change. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I saw more. What I noticed was more and more ads coming up to the front page. Uh, I noticed more and more of um, the same, you know, maybe 10 or 15 people submitting something, and those are the things that always got to the front. And then I started reading stories about how there are um, uh, there were big groups of, of power users, so to speak, and all they did was vote for each other's links. Oh, uh, yep, you're right. And, yep. uh, and push those things to the front, and those were the ones that everybody got. And... Um, What's really interesting about the whole thing, though, is that somebody actually, uh, one of the former um, developers at Dig, went on Reddit and did an AMA uh, a couple days ago Oh, about what happened at Dig. And he was there during the 4 transition, the transition to version 4. And um, a lot of people, one of the main questions a lot of people asked him in that AMA was, well, how come Dig didn't, when they saw how bad it was, just revert back to the previous version? And they said, well, the data transfer they did, the data conversion they did from the from three to four was a one-way process. Um, in order to go back to three, they would have had to basically wipe everything and restore from a database from before oh my they had done that transition, which would have meant posts disappearing, um, you know, credit going away, all these things just completely vanishing and losing all this content. And... Um, and he, he he freely admits that it was a, an utter disaster, and that they tried to change their algorithm over the year to keep these uh, these up up digs from um, I don't know what what you call them on dig the digs from uh, from going rampant and having all these these groups controlling what ends up on the front page and stuff like that. And um, 
uh, but it was a really really interesting AMA I'll have to see if I can find the link for it It has a lot of behind the scenes info a lot of really relevant stuff that I thought was really cool to read but um, no I don't I I don't really care it's surprising they only got sold for $500,000 but um, it's sad in a way I I, I also agree though with this that the the Forbes article that that Reddit didn't kill Dig Dig killed itself yeah I agree with that too Um, that they made some decisions on how they were doing their marketing how they were doing their site control uh, allowing some of this stuff to go on even though they were trying to stop it to some degree they could have done a lot more and um, you know people who are using Dig who were using it right up until a few weeks ago really had already read the writing on the wall they knew it was going to happen yeah Lloyd do do you agree with that do you think that's what killed Dig they killed themselves essentially yeah, essentially. I mean, they they went from they, they had the much uh, talked about movement from MySQL to a schemaless database. So they they went from a working system to something that they said was the future, and then that impacted their growth. And there's just a whole bunch of problems. Um, I read a, a really good article. Um, I think it was yesterday that said um, the internet is actually a better place because of Dig. Um, the service was great at the time. Yeah. Um, you you saw a lot of things happen because of Dig, but more importantly, you brought hundreds of people to basically Silicon Valley, which are now starting their own startups. They're working at other internet companies um, where Dig basically had them working all over the world and then basically brought them to that to that area. So yeah. it's probably a really good thing that Dig existed. I mean, I, I, I loved it way back in the day. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it was kind of a social network before things like Twitter and Facebook were really useful. Um, and now, I mean, we have we have Twitter. Do we really need a, a, a thing like like? Dig. I mean, Reddit at least has other content True. and uses um, more so than just a, a kind of like a link blog. Um, so yeah, I, I think the internet grew up, and yeah, Dig made some really poor choices. Um, but I mean, Dig's going to live on in much in many other companies all over San Francisco and uh, other parts of uh, California. Great, great points, Lloyd. Definitely, I I agree. Uh, you know, I was a, a very big, huge, heavy Dig user, and. Uh, Joe would sometimes get, you know, I mean, I've known Joe for a long time, and Joe would sometimes razz me. He's like, wow, you're still using Dig? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, at the time, I was. I was probably one of the last people to leave. Uh, and I've, I've left for years now, and I, and I get my, my news from other sources. But at the time, I found it a very cool and authentic way to get information uh, about different topics. Not anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they killed themselves, especially when they went to the the new design, uh, and it's just just terrible. And then sponsored links was also a disaster, uh, and how they incorporated that into their uh, into their rundowns as well. So it's sad, but we'll see that we'll see it live on, and we actually may see it see it return someday. So in a, in, a, in a different way. So. Anyway, we're going to move on now to our gaming topics. That's right. We not only talk about geek stuff on the show, but gaming stuff on the show. And Joe is probably going to be really excited about this because, you know, when we were at E3, he couldn't stop talking about Halo 4. All right, I'm lying. But Halo 4 will have its own custom-themed Xbox 360. For $399, Joe, you can get yourself... Not only the 320 gigabyte hard drive console, but you'll get a nice custom paint job. You'll get a standard edition of Halo 4, two controllers, and a redeemable code for special in-game content. Wow, Joe, what do you think, man? This thing looks phenomenal. It does look pretty good. I'm not. I'm not gonna 
be too well, sarcastic. I thought I think it looks good, but what do you think, Joe? Uh, if I was going to buy a special edition Xbox 360, it would have been the Star Wars one. Uh, that's true too. But uh, no, it's it's four hundred dollars or twenty four low monthly payments of fifty dollars a piece. Right? Oh no, no, no. Oh, okay, they're not they're not doing that with this one. No, they're not, Joe. You sure? Because wasn't that what Microsoft was doing with some of these? That's so. Xbox Live with a console or something. like oh, that. Oh right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. Um, I don't, I don't. It looks good, though. I think it looks really it cool. Looks, it looks kind of interesting, I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Four hundred bucks. It's for got a, this clear plastic, so you can see the uh, the inside of the of the console. I think it looks cool. I mean, it's got this clear plastic, and it's uh, it looks cool. Yeah, clear. It looks like you can see the heat shields inside. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to buy one. I don't even use the Xbox I have. I know. Uh, I, I think it is important to note this is the first Halo that is not actually being developed by the good developers who developed Halo. That's true. No Bungie. No Bungie mm. involved. They were released by Microsoft to go off and do their own thing. You were released from the clutches um, of Microsoft. They cut cord. They were unassimilated, I believe, That's uh, right. would be one term for it. Um, they cut their bungee cord. Uh, uh, cut, idea. Yeah. I guess uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to buy one, but hey, somebody will. What do you think of it, Lloyd? Doesn't look good. I I think it looks great. Yeah. Uh, but do you remember when the 360 first came out and they made a big deal about the faceplates? Oh it's yeah. Like, oh that? yeah. Why should I buy a four hundred dollar console when I could have bought a forty dollar piece of plastic, which was equally as crazy uh, to me? Yeah, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't meld with the rest of the console. You see, the whole console is a theme concept see. now. That's right. I, I mean, I, I like it. As far as like themed consoles go, it's it's sexy. It, it looks really great. The controllers look decent. Um, I, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering where the Kinect is because that seems to be all Microsoft really cares about these days is Kinect, Kinect, Kinect. And this system doesn't come with a Kinect, so you're going to have to buy something that's <laughs> going to be $150 and it's oh, not going to match no. your sexy console. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it looks good. Um, 400 bucks. Yeah. Well, right. I think that's what they're missing out here. I think you're right. They need to make it a super edition. With mm-hmm. a Kinect that's custom painted as well. The Kinect could look like Cortana. Yeah. <laughs> Have a little Cortana on top of it. That would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Little Halo humor, folks. John didn't get it. Nope. No. John, have you ever played Halo? The original. Just a Halo 1? Yes. Not the new ones, though? No. I'm going to let you borrow some. You no. should play. You have a 360. Yes. Then you'll get this humor. You need to play. No. <laughs> I've got probably half an hour play time, and that was enough for me. <laughs> fine. It's that whole thumb mashing thing. Yeah, yeah, fine. Well, here's a game that you might be interested in, John. Lay and on. that is Battlefield 4. Did huh? you know they're making Battlefield 4? Did you know that? Yes, actually. You did? Yeah. No, you didn't. Shut up. You're lying. No one knew. Yeah. It was never really confirmed. So there was a pre-order promotion for Medal of Honor Warfighter. And on this advertisement, they said, pre-order today for an exclusive Battlefield 4 beta access. Now, what is interesting here, according to IGM, who claim to have seen the image on the website with their own eyes, uh, did not reveal any additional details regarding the beta program or supposed of the game in question. EA and DICE have not even ex- announced an existence of a Battlefield 4 game, which makes it even more interesting, to say the least. Now... I don't understand why they would be starting to push Battlefield 4 when they've just made a, a crap ton of money with the premium program alone, over 800,000 subscribers. 
But, Joe, do you think this is a mistake or there really is a Battlefield 4 coming? Oh, I'm, I think there's no question there's a Battlefield 4 coming. It's just a question of when. Uh, I, would, I can't imagine it's going to be this year, but I can see it being maybe next year or the year after that. I don't know. What I think is the bigger story here that everyone seems to be ignoring is Medal of Honor Warfighter, a PC game's coming out for 70 bucks? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not even the special edition. It's just a straight-up regular version. This is a standard version for $70? Well, it's the pre-order for the standard. It doesn't say anything about it being a special edition or uh, anything like that. It just says you can pre-order today for 70 bucks. Maybe you're paying for the exclusive Battlefield 4 beta access with that price. I... You better be paying for something. They're the going to send a masseuse DLC? to my house and give me that, too. I, I, this is ridiculous. I, I, whatever. This is what EA wants to do. I'm going to go back to my Steam sales. Um, I, I just can't. Hey 70 bucks for, for, for uh, I just, just, it's just amazing me. I, I just can't believe it. But whatever. That's how it goes. What do you, what do you think, Lloyd? Battlefield 4, yay, nay, maybe? I mean, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, anything that makes hundreds of millions of dollars, they're, they're going to keep revving it and, and beating it into the ground until no one wants to buy it anymore. Um, I, I just always find it really funny when they accidentally reveal <laughs> things and it's like oh no you weren't supposed to see that but yeah we're making it but we're not going to comment on it it just always makes me like scratch my head and say wow you guys if, if that's your marketing you you need to hire people to get it right <laughs> um about the 70 dollars price point i mean i come from a world on on the yeah. ipad of and sent games i mean I, I i buy lots of console games as well i'm, I'm a huge console gamer but 70 bucks that's crazy especially on the pc when you're already spending two thousand dollars to pimp out your pc and make it like make everything look beautiful yeah. um yeah i don't know it's crazy but it's gonna happen just like there's gonna be more call of duties and there's gonna be more warcraft ex, uh, expansions i mean it's just that's what happens yeah now speaking of steam and, and you know joe joe touched on this he's heading back to a steam online sale and i think this timing couldn't be better but GameStop is is offering a great deal right now if you trade in any console games now, granted, depending on the console game, you might get higher credit. You'll get extra PC gaming credit for Steam Bucks. So basically, if you uh, uh, trade in uh, your standard console games, you will get 30% more money if you transfer that credit to your Steam wallet. This is very, very crafty. Uh, now, they, what they're saying here in this story is, beware, it's kind of a trap. Gamers who are in the habit of trading their old games to buy new ones will find themselves at a dead end when they finish playing the Steam game that they bought with this money since it's tied to their Steam accounts and not resellable. Now, granted, we did have a story last week that talked about the whole reselling stuff. We'll see what happens with that. That was in Europe, not here in the States. Uh, but hey, Joe, not bad, huh? Uh, you probably have a few console games uh, hanging around. Are you going to go ahead and... Uh, take care of this and get some steam bucks 30 percent more it's it's kind of tempting i'd have to i'll have to um when i go back home dig through my uh my console games i don't have all that many of them and uh and see if any of them are ones that uh i want to go do this with but they're probably going to be like you know five bucks <laughs> chase i think really? i'll borrow five those bucks? halo discs from me now oh no you're <laughs> not <laughs> yeah yeah i'll take those now who said pc gaming was dead though huh i mean this is pretty innovative I don't think anybody in this group's ever said PC gaming. Well, was dead. a lot of people wish they it was dead. I know uh-huh. the console gamers wish PC gaming was dead. Well, the console gamers can anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, um, 
obviously prices in Canada are a little bit more higher, but uh, what do you think here, Lloyd? Uh, Steam, PC, extra credit. You going to pull the yeah, trigger on this? It, it looks like a great deal. I mean, actually, prices have, have pretty much come down in parity now as our dollar has basically inched closer together. Um, I, I think this is kind of interesting. I mean, GameStop is basically taking in a game that they can resell, and they're giving you Steam credit that they're probably getting at a, at a huge discount. So this is actually going to equal more money in their pockets. Um, but that's kind of it's kind of like shooting themselves in the foot too, because in the future, then they're they're not going to they're going to have too much product, and they're going to have to start blowing it out for less than what they bought it from you for. And it just seems like a really odd thing to do. Uh, maybe it's just a bonus, like maybe Steam's really pushing their uh, their their gift cards or whatever. But I, I don't know. I like it. I I don't trade in games normally. I'm a I'm a crazy huge collector i collect everything so i i like to keep every game that i buy except if it's really horrible um so i probably won't take advantage of it um but i know a lot of people that buy a game and trade it in three days later because they beat it and oh jeez, so, i don't well they, they use it as a way to rent games since you since there's no blockbuster anymore or there's nowhere you can rent games anymore um at least down I, here you can use Redbox. i mean Redbox. Oh, that's right you're able to use that yeah did you see this? Now, this is really cool. The uh, PlayStation 3. Now, we talked about this last week. John was insisting it was going to be the PlayStation 4. I told him it's not. But a Brazilian site, Technoblog, reports that the, the unit number that you're seeing here on the screen is CECH-4011. It'd be sold in configurations of 16, 250, and 500 gigabytes hard drives. Uh, now, these are what it looks like. Uh, now, uh, I'll switch to another page here shortly. But it kind of is like a hybrid between the PS Fat and the Slim. I can't tell that it's any smaller, uh, but that's what it rumors to look like. Now, Joe, is it time to upgrade for another PlayStation 3, or do you think we should have John uh, pick the sucker up? Well, I, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's another PS3. It's not anything new. It's... I think we were we were talking about before the show. You know, the PS3 I think pretty much went down down the lawn, down the drain or started to when they removed the uh, backwards compatibility with the uh, PS2. Right. Um, it's cool as a as a um, as a Blu-ray player, but uh, unless you want some really specific games, uh, some of the adventure games, or I think you said you have a baseball game and and stuff like that on it. Yeah. There's not really a a big a big uh, following for it, or I mean, I, I know there is. Obviously, there's there's Sony, well, there's, there's Uncharted, but, there's Uncharted. Yeah, I mean, the, there's the, some good the games. Uncharted uh, adventure games are really really good, and there's a few other games like that. But um, I don't understand why didn't they just release the the Slim like a last year ago year, or yeah, two it was years about ago? Last year or two years ago? Yeah. I don't. Why would they put all the engineering money into a whole new model that's basically the same thing? I don't get it. That's yeah, I don't get it either. That's that's there's, a very good point. There's got to be some new hardware in there. No, John, this is not the PlayStation Four. <sighs> well, there's there probably is new hardware in there, and maybe that's what it is. Is they found a more efficient way to build it. I just don't understand why they had to do a whole new case design. Uh, maybe they're thinking that that's the problem they're having with sales. Is the case is is too boring. Well, what I, I no wish... Idea. It doesn't make any sense to me. I wish they would follow maybe the lead of Microsoft and have custom paint jobs and different colors. And, you know, they, they try to make this thing look like a, a standard appliance that sits in your stereo cabinet. It's I mean, maybe I, I want a little bling. Maybe I want a purple PlayStation or a pink one or a yellow one. 
I mean, you, you can the... have any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is that go, from? Uh, Ghost Shadow in the uh, forums actually makes a, a good point, or in the chat room actually made a good point. He said that Sony's done this in the past with their other consoles. Just before the next gen or the new console comes out, they release one last slim model, and that's the one that they, they keep making for a couple years after the new one comes out. They did it with the uh, original PS. They released the, the PS1 at almost the same time as the uh, PS2 was announced. They did it with the PS2. They released a slim PS2 as the uh, or just a, uh, a what a couple months or maybe a year before the PS3 was released. So maybe this is even though this obviously isn't the PS4, maybe this is the harbinger of the PS4. Yeah, uh, that we should expect it uh, next year even. I don't know. I mean, it it looks worse to me. I mean, what do you, what do you think of of the new final redesign probably of the PlayStation 3, Lloyd? What do you think? It, it looks like they took the PlayStation 1 and they kind of squished it down and shrunk it a little bit. I mean, it, yeah, it, it looks Run it over good. with a truck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I, have, I have my original PlayStation 3, actually. It still works, which is amazing. Yeah, me it's too. It's backwards compatible. I love it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to get another one. But, yeah, I was going to mention, I mean, Sony always does this before their new console comes out. They release an, an updated, final, super cheap to manufacture version. Um, so yeah, maybe the the Orbis or whatever the code name for the PlayStation Four um, is going to come sooner than later. Um, I hope so because yeah. um, I'd like to see some some really like fancy looking games in the future. I, Go ahead, John. I'm, I'm you know I'm thinking about or you know what I keep thinking about is you know if if they're going to do a four and it's got you know with new stuff. They, you know, I with, think they've already said that the new one will not be backwards compatible. Well, I know, but I'm, I'm, if it can't be backwards compatible, and you have dust f- coming out, yeah, I would think that if it's got to be compatible with dust. No, now maybe they'll hold off on dust. Um, well, you know, because I know they have the beta program. I know going right now. Yeah, but. There is at, I don't I still don't think there's an official time for the d- release of dust. Well, there's nothing preventing uh, preventing them from say re-releasing it for yeah. for PS- PlayStation Four. Yeah, or um, or yeah, I, I would say a, a release a, a dual release where the title comes out for PS3 now, and then after the PS4 comes out, it's released as even a launch title with the PS4 with improved graphics. That that would make actually a lot yeah. of sense to yeah. me. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I keep thinking about. It's like going because they they they're, they're talking about. Th- yeah, I not having a PS3. I don't know what the limitations are for graphics, and I know that you know visually they're really trying to push it with yeah. 514. All right. No, and and I know John will be the next person to pick up a PlayStation 3 slash four. When dust comes out, John will be buying it. No. Just like John said, he would never pay a monthly fee for a video game. John is also saying that he would never buy another console, but he will. He'll buy a PlayStation I've, Four. I've, or I've got my my new piece of hardware for the year. That's right. That's the Nexus 7. Mm-hmm. John got a Nexus 7, folks. That's right. It should be arriving this next week. That's right. All right. Well, Actually, na- I thought it was pretty funny they said it because it ships, ships in two to three weeks. And it's been, you know, it, it was a week. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that was pretty quick. Well, yeah. I mean, Google wants to keep John happy. They want you yeah. to jump on their social network, John. You're going to be on Google Plus here pretty soon. No. Nope. Yeah. No. Nope. All right. It's now time. I just killed myself. There we go. It's now time for our picks of the week. These are uh, highlighting some technology, gaming gadgets, things that we like here uh, at GeekGamer.tv and here on GeekGamer Weekly. And I'm going to start off with Mr. Joe. Joe, what is your pick of the week? 
Hey, so uh, I ran across this. Um, I didn't find it on Kickstarter, but it is a Kickstarter project. How shocking. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. The coolest stuff's coming out on Kickstarter. It's called the Pear. P-E-A-R. Pear, like the fruit. And what it is, is it's a, a Bluetooth audio receiver. It uses the A2DP protocol, which is okay. the stereo audio. All right. That has a um, female iPhone docking port in the bottom. So the idea is... You know, there's all these speakers that are out there that are designed to dock an iPhone or an iPod Touch or an old iPod. Um, this thing basically will sync with any Bluetooth device that supports A2DP. You hook it onto your radio, you hook it onto your speaker set, and then that device will play out your designed for iPhone speakers. Okay, so we're showing a video of this right now. So he's got this plugged into uh, just a standard off-the-shelf uh, system there. Uh, that the I think he's demoing the Bose one of the Bose systems, but uh, you know it 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 uh, basically it, instead of having to dock your iPhone um, or if you don't have an iPhone if you have an Android phone you dock this thing you hook this thing onto your speaker and it becomes the the source the audio source device. I'm and, surprised uh, that this hasn't come out sooner. Something like I know this. it's a it's a great idea. I'm I, I'm I'm also surprised nobody's come up with it because it does it does do exactly what what I you just, would want. Um, you know wow. it. it it uh, is such a, a cool idea, and um, obviously, it's it's using products that are already out there. There's no new design on the on the product size uh, on the product side. As long as your device uses the standard audio cables or the audio out system on the iPhone, this will work. Um, this will work no problem. So uh, I think it's really cool. And the other big thing about this is you have to remember the rumors about the iPhone five say that it's going to have a new dock port. So all of your speakers that are for the older iPhone uh, or the iPod or the iPod Touch uh, will not be compatible with the iPhone 5. But if you get this, they will be. Um, so really cool idea. Uh, they, they got 56 days to go before the pledging closed. And they they're made it. Yeah, yeah, they're at 77000 of a $40,000 goal. They've way, way made it. Um, if you want to pick one up, they're, uh, it's only 40 bucks. You can get a black or a white one right now. They have 920 pledgers, and they think they're going to be delivering them in November of this year. So uh, definitely a cool product. Um, hopefully it will uh, it'll happen uh, really soon. I love this. I love this. I, I, I think it's a cool idea. I'm, I'm yeah. really, I haven't pledged on it, I'm, I, I, but I'm thinking about it. I, I, there's a pretty good chance I will. Yeah. Awesome pick, Joe. Well, I love it. Uh, the Pair... Pair with pair. <laughs> it's a Bluetooth for your speaker dock, and no doubt, uh, if the rumors are true with the new iPhone 5 with that dock connector changing, you might want something that will be easily compatible going forward, and this would be. Uh, you might want to pick up a few of these if you have a few different dock connectors all the way around the house. So great pick, Joe. Nice pick. Thank you, sir. John Kessler, this guy right over here, he's got a pick. John? Pick. Yes, you do. What's your pick of the week? It's an Android pick. BS. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, what is it? It's your next, the new Android gaming platform. All right. So, what is this so, exactly? So, if you you know if you don't want to have your Wii, you don't want to have a Sony or an Xbox, you can get an Oya. Now, Joe, I can't. Ooh, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think yeah. you're on the box. I can't click on the link. No, it's not me. I can't click on it either. What the hell? I don't know what's going well, on. Well, I'll find it here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, John, while I'm pulling this up? So, a bunch of people got together. You know, they they like, you know, they're playing. You know, playing the new uh, handheld games, um, but 
being old school, they like playing games on a TV and having it through the sound system. Okay. So they've developed a device that runs on an Android. Oh, my God. How much money have they raised? <laughs> they Jesus. raised a buttload. Uh, that's, you got, <laughs> buttload is understatement. Wow. Yeah, their goal was 950000 Wow. Okay. They've raised $4.8 million. Wow. Why did I not know about this sooner? <laughs> It's an Android. Uh, well, <laughs> well. Uh, um, but you know, so basically, they've made a an open, you know, being Android. They've said, "All right, we want here's an you know here's open for the device. They want game makers to make their games for it, um, with a major, you know, for for the most part though they want free to play. Okay, um, you know, there might be some." Um, you know, buyable or you know, content they can have, but for the most part, they say they want they want the games to be ninety nine percent. Or no, did I say that wrong? <laughs> so th- this console, yeah, this this console wrong. will have basically an interface where, where where people will be able to basically play any game that's online, and like we're, I mean, we're seeing Minecraft here. People playing Minecraft, watch uh, Twitch videos. So this is kind of revolutionary in a way. I mean, this is nuts. I mean, how are they getting around uh, not uh, getting game licensing? Is this all streaming? I mean, do you have any answers about that? Anybody? Bueller? John? Well, there? It's, uh, yeah. What game developers have to do is they have to download the Ouya API, and they're going to have to like compile a new version of their game for this Android console. Oh. And then it gets, and then it gets submitted to the Ouya marketplace, which is similar to like Apple's marketplace or the Android Play Store. Um, so it's they they want to become their own um, entity um, out there, and, and it could work. Um, but there's no games that will run on it yet because no one's been given the uh, the SDK yet. Gotcha. Yeah, and the okay. the biggest thing about it, or the thing they're really pushing, uh, I've looked into this before, is is um, the problem with the current generation consoles and and the future generation consoles for that matter, any of the big ones is the development kit getting into the development business on those consoles is so expensive uh, that only the big the big companies can do it. And then the, the maker of the console always takes a cut, a big cut, of uh, any anything that's sold on the console. So this, hopefully, they're, they're saying this is the console for the 99%, uh, which is, you know, kind of a corny catchphrase. But um, that's what they're trying to do, is they're trying to make this so that anybody can get into the console game development business and start building apps and games for the TV, a TV-based console. Wow. That's a cool idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's basically um, 100 bucks. They're 100 bucks right now if you want to back one. Uh, they're at, but they are at 48,000 of 80,000 remaining. So yeah, you should probably jump into it pretty quick. They do have 24 days to go before that's, uh, it, the funding of the pledging is I guess I'm trying to figure out what's the difference between something like this and maybe the on-live console. Uh, this is doing the games locally, and it's also not going to be doing super high-end games. You're not going to be able to play uh, Medal of Honor or okay. Call of Duty, that sort of thing, on this console because it's, it's just not that powerful. And those developers are probably not going to sign up for it unless it gets really, really, really popular. Okay. so Got it. Well, John Kessler, mm-hmm. thanks for the pick, man. Yeah. Awesome you, pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. My, my pick this week is a piece of hardware that you can use either for a desktop or laptop. It's an SSD. Now, I know there's lots of different SSD companies out there, but this is one that you might want to pick up at your local Samsung store up in Vancouver, uh, uh, uh-huh. or uh-huh. use our Amazon link. 
and that is it's the Samsung 830 series SATA 3 internal drive. Here's a, a picture of this beautiful drive. Now, what's so cool about this drive is the cost. The cost per gigabyte is really, really low. Uh, right now, you can pick up one of these on Amazon for $249.99 with Prime shipping. You can have it by Tuesday if you want, if you have Prime. Uh, now, Chase, do you, do you have one? I do. I do. I have one okay. in my system right now. Okay. The the now this thing is a SATA 6.0. Uh, so our you know it's SATA version three 6.0 speeds. Uh, the read write of this drive is just phenomenal. Um, and I was able to pick this up and notice a real huge improvement when it comes to boot speeds and uh, read write access. Uh, and actually for the performance and the cost per gigabyte for a larger storage SSD is incredible. I'm very impressed with it, um, and we'll have a link in our show notes if you want to pick one of these up through Amazon using our link. Uh, but this thing is awesome, uh, just just incredible, and they have a desktop kit and a laptop kit. Uh, it really just depends on what you need. If uh, you don't need the mounting bracket hardware, you can just get the laptop kit and just throw it in um, your laptop and just really get uh, per- great performance, read-write speeds at an incredible price point. And I I know a lot of people didn't realize that Samsung does make internal hardware for your computer. And it looks cool, too, even though I'm not going to look at it. Joe was shocked when I showed him the Samsung SSD. He's like, Samsung SSD? What? Yeah, I didn't know Samsung was in the uh, SSD market. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. I mean, here is, uh, and to prove to you guys the the read-write speeds, I mean, here is a a test that was done with an early MacBook Pro 2011 with the trim enabled. I mean... Almost 400 megabit, uh, megabytes uh, a second writing and reading 480. Uh, just, just an incredible piece of hardware. Does, does really good stuff. That's my pick of the week. And just a small piece of hardware. Uh, the reason why I picked it up is I do a lot of video editing, obviously using it for recording the show. Very important to me, and I dig it very much. So that's my pick, just a small piece of hardware. And now it's time for our special guest's pick. Lloyd, what is your pick of the week? I was thinking of changing mine to the pair Bluetooth speaker adapter because that thing's damn cool. That is cool. <laughs> so happy you mentioned that because I'm going to go order one of those right away. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my pick is a game, uh, and it's an iPad game because since I do a lot of iPad-related uh, gaming stuff on the VG Podcast Network, and it is uh, Magic the Gathering 2013. Uh, if I could show it without uh, without having too much of a glare on it. And it is the, the current version of the Magic the Gathering card game. Um, and it's on the iPad for the first time, which is amazing. Um, Magic the Gathering's been around for 20 years. Um, they've had these games on the consoles. So you can get it on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. They've had it there for the, both the past three years or four years. Um, this has to be the best version of a collectible card game um, ever in digital form and it's even better if you have an iPad 3 uh, because you're actually touching the cards you're throwing them on on the table you're you're ta- tapping cards to 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 use them um, and it's and the the higher screen of the iPad 3 is so good that you can actually even read the the card text when the card's down in the play field. oh so so it's so it's retina enhanced yes it is so gorgeous I played on the uh, the ps3 and this has it beat uh, hands down um, it's a great game if you if you've never played Magic the gathering before it's uh it, it has a full tutorial inside of it as well um it, the, the game is easy to pick up um but it's super 
super hard to uh, to to put down and to master. Um, the game is free to download. You can get it on. Uh, you can get a demo on your 360, on your PS3, or your iPad. Um, but it's uh, ten dollars to unlock on all the different consoles as well. Um, it, it's hundreds of hours of fun. There's uh, if you want to unlock every single card in the game, you have to play at least three hundred matches. Um, wow. Time and so you you could buy this and the ten dollars will have you playing for a long long time. So uh, if you if you like cards and, and you like playing games like that, uh, definitely a good game to pick up on uh, whatever console you choose. Now you mentioned uh, do you pay ten dollars and you get it unlocked on everything, or do you have to pay ten dollars on each individual? Uh, yeah, sadly you have to pay it for every single version uh, if you want to. But uh, you can unlock it on whichever one you're going to play it on uh, predominantly. Is the iOS app uh, universal for iPhone and iPad, or is it just iPad only? Just iPad only. I guess okay. the, uh, the interface is just too much to have on your small little uh, phone screen. That's uh, true. Fortunate. It would be nice to have it with me at, at all times if I'm waiting in a coffee line, play a couple hands. <laughs> turn my phone off i used to play magic the gathering when i was going through uh, high school i i uh, i don't even I, all i know is the color is the blue deck i had a, a really cool collection of blue cards and uh it got lost in moves and stuff and then i just never got back into it uh but this would make it really easy to get back into it just you yeah. know pop it up on your ipad so it's great and the cool thing about this app um on all the different consoles is it actually came out there's a new a new release like i don't play magic physical cards anymore um i had some friends that that i played with um they've since moved away and one of my buddies actually takes place in all the tournaments uh, around the world which is kind of crazy um wow. but but this this app came out before the new sets uh came out in stores so you had people that make real money playing magic the gathering which just boggles my mind that that actually can happen um and they, they were buying this version so they could get a, a leg up for all the different tournaments that they're going into. So Magic is still big bucks. I, I don't I don't get it. Um, I played it as well in high school and spent way too much money um, back in high school. Uh, but it's pretty cool to be able to play uh, on my iPad. It's, uh, it's it's a fun fun game to get into. Awesome. Well, great. Thanks for the pick, Floyd. That's a really cool pick. And uh, since it's free, I'll download it and just check it out. Um, and See how much I like it on my iPad. Joe, since you got a red iPad, you might want to check that out too. John, sorry, you're out of luck. Yep. <laughs> no, it's on Android too. Uh, that's it for this edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. I want to say a very, very special thanks to to Mr. Mr. Lloyd Hannison. He does a lot of great content over there at VGPodcast.com. Do you want to tell a little bit uh, about your website and what you do over there and what's been going on lately? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on the show. First of all, this is this is a great fun. I've been watching you guys for a while now. Um, I've been podcasting since 2005, very different, uh, various shows, um, but all in the, the gaming field. Um, I currently host a game called uh, The Touch of Gaming, which is my iOS uh, gaming show. I do Nintendo Pulse, uh, which is Nintendo. I have lots of love for Nintendo. As you can see behind me, there's the Mario poster. Um, and also do a new, a new show that just started. It's uh, the continuation of a terrestrial radio program that was here in Winnipeg, and it's called uh, The Bonus Stage. And we do it every Friday night at 10 p.m. Central um, Standard or Central Daylight. And uh, we're getting into that now. And it's uh, it's geek culture, not just gaming. Uh, so anything gaming related, uh, video series, online, comics that are game related. We talk about a little bit about everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just addicted to podcasting like I am to many things. So yes. <laughs> we like to do it over at VGPodcast.com. No, very, very cool stuff. You know, I... Uh, from from the former network uh, that I was a that I was a part of, um, and that we were a part of uh, the, the, our shows and stuff, I, I discovered you, and then we became Twitter friends, and then we've 
kind of talked offline. I was like, you know, I got to get you on the show one of these times, and here you are. So awesome. Well, uh, hopefully uh, we'll have you back in the future. I love to to chat with you about iOS uh, games and stuff because I mean there are loads and loads and loads and loads. How do you filter out the fluff and find the good quality? Because there's just so many. I mean, you know, yeah, it's there's there's hundreds of games released every week. It, it's stupid. Um, there's a lot of apps out there, like there's App Shopper. There's a couple other um, out there that kind of give you ideas of what are the good games. Uh, you read a lot of different review sites, of course. Um, but yeah, we 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 download and play like tens or or twenty games a week we talk about the good ones on our show we don't talk about the bad ones because why give uh, air to really terrible times to spend <laughs> yeah. terrible things to spend your time on um but yeah it, it's it's tough i i hope that is fixed in the future because um i could probably give you a list of about 300 games that are worth your time um but apple couldn't because there's no way to to get that kind of information out of the app store that's true yeah there's not an easy filtering solution right now that's part of the problem you know that just sucks but uh but no, thanks, Lloyd, for coming on the show. We'd love to have you back in in the future to talk about iOS and just anything geek, and especially we always need a, can- a Canadian contingent so you can help fill that void as well. We're so damn friendly. Everybody yes. loves Canadians. Yes, absolutely. Mr. Mr. Joseph Falby, uh, he's over there at PDX Land number, I can't believe it, 20. Oh, wait, I have you turned down because of the uh, of Oh, because background. of the shouting? That yeah, figures. Yeah. yeah. So PDX 20, that's crazy, man. Yes. It's it's also the 10th anniversary. We started planning for our first event back in 2002. So this is also the 10th anniversary, uh, in addition to being the 20th event, uh, 20th full event. Now, we've done some of the point fives, Right. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, this is, it's, it's cool. It's been a great time. We had, uh, so we've had, um, I think we had 100, over $100,000 for the prizes this time. Just Sapphire by themselves uh, gave us uh, something like $45,000 um, in, in video cards and stuff like that. But really cool event. It's been a lot of fun. I have a Minecraft tournament starting in an hour and a half. Uh, two and a half hours. An two hour and a half hours. Yeah, two and a half hours. We've gone two from and four to two and a half. Yes. Yeah. So two and a half hours. So um, not too bad. Hopefully that'll go well, but um, it'll be really cool. Uh, I wish I could get some video of it, but I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to. That's uh, but. Um, I'll, uh, I'm sure our Minecraft peeps out there will uh, will want to take a look at the map. I'll uh, maybe try to get a server up so they can check it out. It's a pretty pretty wild place. So, but uh, definitely um, definitely a good time out here. It's uh, great being on the show. I'm, I love doing the remote thing. That's a lot of fun. So absolutely, and you're still sounding good. Thanks to to Comcast for uh, not dropping your internet connection. Yeah, in the Comcast uh, piped in a one gig fiber line for us here, wow. uh, which is just awesome. And it it uh, for the record does not have a data cap. Uh, because we would have blown past that uh, probably about an hour into the event. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too cool. All right. Well, and, and then finally, this guy right here, Mr. John Kessler. Uh, he is our resident EVE Online specialist. Oh, uh-huh. He's itching to go back home mm-hmm. to play some more EVE. Yeah, to play yes. some more. Yeah. Got to play some more EVE. And how was our chat room this evening? Uh, calm. Calm. Good. It was under control. Under control. You you didn't have to throw down the band hammer. No. Didn't have to boot anybody off for posting Very good. every five seconds. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, John. Yes. And did you like the chicken this evening? It's just ducky. Yeah, it was just ducky. All right. <laughs> uh, I want to remind everybody that we have all of our awesome content over at our website, geekgamer.tv. Um, there you'll notice a, a few minor changes. Uh, first off, we're still pushing the, the huge July survey. That's on the right-hand side there. Take five minutes. Click that. 
if you haven't done so yet. And this just gives us feedback on our shows and lets us know what you like and dislike. Another thing, a couple other things I want to point out real quick is you'll notice now there's a banner up at the top there that says support us by shopping at Amazon. Now, by the way, that's not an ad, so your ad blocker will not block that. That's actual link to take uh, take you to Amazon.com. If you're going to be doing any kind of shopping at Amazon, uh, either in the U.S., U.K., or Canada, uh, if you're in the U.S., click that banner, and that will give us a little bit of credit uh, for your Amazon purchases. That will help support the show. Also, if you head over to the website and click on the Donate button, they'll take you to the support page uh, where you can help support us. Uh, you can uh, fire off a, a one-time uh, donation or you can actually activate an automatic monthly subscription. If you like our content, please uh, think about doing so uh, because we try to keep sponsors on the show to a minimum. And sometimes since we speak the truth... Some sponsors don't want to come on because they are afraid that we might talk bad about that. <laughs> so to do that, uh, we like to just make this donation-driven. And this is where you will also find the Amazon affiliate links for Amazon.ca and Amazon.co.uk. And if you do donate and do a one-time donation, you do have an option to put your posting on the wall and let everybody see how cool and awesome you are for donating to the network. Um, I want to say a big thanks to the guys over there at Guys from Queens at gfqlive.tv uh, for simulcasting this. We're going to be starting to do this a little bit more uh, where people can check us out not only on our site but on their site as well. Not a lot of gaming stuff over there at GFQ, so I'm helping Andrew uh, inject some gaming into the network. Yes. Okay. Uh, as a reminder, we do Minecraft Me every Thursday here on the network, and then Geek Gamer Weekly Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific usually. Uh, keep an eye on the calendar. We may be starting a little bit later next week. It all depends uh, on how well I do in a pinball tournament that I'm participating in in Vancouver, B.C. So keep your eyes and ears posted on that. Otherwise, thanks so much for watching and listening to the show. We'll see you next week for another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly for... Joe, John, Lloyd, and myself, Chase. Until we all talk again, we are all silent. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Oh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget? Bob Saget. Bob Saget.